Well, you. you... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> That's never happened before. In 100 episodes, I don't think we've ever done what we just did. What? Both tried to yield? Both, yeah. Hey, it's Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Welcome back for another Hang in the Laboratory. It's uh, just the two of us this week, and we don't need like we don't need help keeping the lights on. So uh, let's do it. <laughs> How you doing, man? Get out of here. We don't need your help. Uh, I am. This is uh, episode ninety-eight, and we don't good. we don't know for sure what this project becomes at episode one hundred. So we're just kind of taking them off when we have time. Yeah, we're we're we? uh, <clears throat> we're just uh, we're evolving. We're changing. Things are happening. <laughs> what you're uh, uh, you're about to have a kid. You're about to have a kid. So not as soon as you. <laughs> not as soon as me. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny to have a we we because of medical circumstances we have an induction scheduled. So like that's weird. I got a hard out <laughs> on this pregnancy. <laughs> I think that's smart. I know some people who have suggested that we do that because then you're just scheduling things, but they won't let us do that at our hospital. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. Yeah. Partially, I think because we're both going through that, we'd rather talk about an engineering topic in a sense. <laughs> it's sort of engineering. It's like engineering cultural topic. I'd rather nerd rage with you. Nerd rage. What's, uh, yeah, so what, what's, the, what's the topic? Gives our intro, oh, sir. Yeah, I mean, you came all fired up to uh, to discuss the concepts of open source or open collaboration. Maybe it'll expand out to, but yeah, open source I think, software more specifically. Uh, I I am Juris is increasingly, and I am increasingly involved in other projects that are ultimately built on top of open source software, um, and so. You know, that causes this engineering part of my brain to dig deeper and deeper into the notions of, you know, both technologically, what gets us to where we are and how's that novel? And then uh, culturally, mm-hmm. like, how does that get us to where we are? Right. So, yeah. and the realization I have as I cross the sort of, as I try to bridge rivers, I suppose, um, you know, I talk to a whole bunch of lawyers all the time. And I try to explain to them the way that programmers think about the world in the modern world. And I talk about things like version control. I talk about things like open source software. And they just have no idea what I'm talking about. And then some subset don't even believe that it's possible, even though we have everything in front of us working. And I go, yeah, but this is working. And they go, mm, I still don't buy it. It's pretty crazy <laughs> when the legal system is built on open source Right, open source opinions, yeah. open source decisions, open source rules and documents. All those, all those funny looking books that are just the same in the background of every legal picture. Right, that's just open source legal stuff. I so, guess maybe you pay for them so the open part's not. But it's yeah, like but kind it's of not supposed source, right? to be paid for. And every time somebody challenges that, the Supreme Court goes, "Yeah, you can't, you can't charge that. <laughs> it's public." Uh, yeah. So let's. So 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 in this case when you talk about the laws, like it's easy, it's easy to see that the laws are meant to be public. Right. Um, in this case, maybe the place to start is defining source. Cause open's easy. We can, we can dig into open and what it means from a cultural standpoint, but like the first thing that makes the movement that we, that you and I would call open source work is the source code ultimately. Right. Yeah. Source. Open source, sort of, at least in the context you and I are talking about, I think, because like obviously source is a broad word, but like from your from your engineering perspective, yeah, it's an interesting question because I always with software, I, I it's easy to kind of spiral down its into its own little rabbit hole because there's something weird and unique about software, and and that feeling has faded a little bit as I've as I've progressed in that world in my life, but I'll never forget when I first started really learning the program, how strangely unique the whole ecosystem is. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, the source code is, is the program. It's the thing it, when you install an app on your, 
on your uh, phone, like you're downloading code kind of, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but uh, in theory, right back in the day when you used to like get a floppy disk uh, when I was a kid and people would be like, Hey, here's a, here's a game or here's a whatever. Uh, you're, you're just getting, you're getting software and then you, you bring it home and you put it on your computer or you, or you download it into your phone. And then when you like tap it or touch it, or I don't even know if people use the word open anymore. Do kids say I opened an app when they load uh, it <laughs> right when they touch it, uh, it, the computer runs the code. Like it's, it's just, I mean, it's like a, it's kind yeah, of like so, a Rube Goldberg machine behind the scenes. The computer's just making the Rube Goldberg machine run. Yeah. And, and like, I think we got episodes on episodes about this stuff. If we want to chase it, if you want to chase through our feed, but like, you know, ultimately a computer is this processing mechanism and it runs through a string of digits written out that provide it with everything it needs to do all the sort of conditional things that are running an app, Right. But underneath that is just a bunch of code. Like it's a bunch of text. Like you could print out like Mac OS. It would be reams and reams of paper, but you could print it out and go, yo, here it is. Yep. Enter it back in and it'll run. And that's how they used to do programming on like pieces of paper, right? Uh, and, but and ultimately like it, it gets weird because it's just text. And so even from a legal standpoint, like immediately we're getting to the, the legal side. The only way you can protect that is kind of the same ways you protect books and things like that, right? Like you can copyright license your code. And so then people have to pay you to use it. Uh, that's kind of it. Well, it's interesting. Software is interesting technologically too, because uh, it's different. It's different as an entity than like a car, for instance, right? I, and I choose cars because that's, maybe one of the more complex things that everybody owns and like deals with on a day-to-day -day basis. Like if you go under the hood of your car, there's all kinds of stuff going on in there. It seems like a mess, super complicated and ignore the fact that there are tons of computers and software in cars these days too. Let's just pretend it's all the like moving parts. You got your motors and your pistons and your catalytic converters and stuff. It's pretty complicated in there, but actually if you pull everything out, it's like a known number of parts you can even pull into those and pull everything out. And you're talking like probably hundreds of thousands of parts, like physical components. And those break down ultimately down to like a physical thing. Like here's a bolt. Software is kind of, it's like infinitely complex, right? Every line of code does something. And each line of code could do that thing like an infinite number of ways. And so when you're dealing with software as a, as like a technological entity, it, there's there's this weird thing about it that just makes it like infinitely new, unique um, and infinitely customizable. And that kind of feeds into, I think, what drives uh, open source software and why it kind of emerges there. Um, do you get what but I'm it's saying? Not... <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so this is the thing about having to cover the source piece, because like, it's not a new thing to say, I'm not going to try to protect, like, this is why I get to the licensing part, right? Like, if you invent a car, we live in a governmental system where you get to go, okay, I can patent this version of how to put these pieces together, which like, nobody's going to try to do anyway, because it has to be done at great cost. But if they wanted to, they're not even allowed to, because I have the right to be the only one that does this for a certain amount of time and has to do with the laws that we've put in place around market economics, et cetera. Right. Like, but I think the key part of that is, is, you know, um, <clears throat> that, I couldn't build a car if I wanted to, right? It doesn't matter if I could get all of Honda's plans for like, you know, a Civic. I can't build a Civic. And so that market is easily. what it is, right? Like Tesla has open sourced all of their patents. It's no help to me unless I'm going to go start a competing car company, right? So like, it's funny that they hold that up as, oh, it's been open source. And like, I'm sure that's got, it's done some good for the world. But like, I can't, Use, I can't go build a car, right? Um, software is just files, digital files on a computer, lists of strings of characters that I can, if I have enough disk space, like actually hold and then actually manipulate. And then actually, like I can try to build that car because I have everything I need to do it on the device that is the computer. And so the idea of saying, 
I'm going to make everything free. Who cares if you do that with a car? It's not a thing that people can really attainably actually leverage as open source. Open source giving away software is to give away the entire value of that software that you've created. You, you're yeah, not well, going to be able to monetize that through the you're existing. Definitely touching on an I invented it port that people are used to. Yeah. If you go open totally. source the software, right? And part of that is the code. Like because it's just code written down, we can move it around through the idea system instead of having to move it through the physical world. <laughs> well, you're touching on another really critical part of software that makes it a weird space. It's entirely virtual. Uh, maybe that's not the right word, but it's 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 fungible, right? You can reproduce it an infinite number of times and it kind of doesn't cost anything and everyone can have it. Uh, whereas the car, like in in service of later parts of this conversation, I think the open source concept with hardware makes sense too. And we're seeing a lot of that also, but it's just so much harder. You have to go buy. The cost of a car is mostly captured in the parts right? There's the company's got to make profit, but you have to go buy an engine and like physically get it to your house. And they're really heavy and it's still complicated and challenging. There's still all kinds of engineering uh, necessary to put a car together, uh, just like getting a computer up and running from scratch. But it, there's no cost. If you have a computer already to add software to it, there's, there doesn't need to be a cost. The value of buying software is like entirely artificial, Right. And I mean that in like an economic sense, right? A, 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 a car, the company who made the car for you has to, at the very least, like pay for the steel that the car is made out of, right? They can't get around that. They can't give you a car without having paid for that steel. With software, they wrote it and fine, that costs the money. But now they could just give out the software to everyone, which you can't do that anywhere else. You can't do that in the physical world. And so that's an incredibly distinct component. Uh, of open source software and, and this is maybe driv driven it right and allow right. it well and this is maybe a, a tangent but like this is also i think is the fundamental thing that people struggle with in cybersecurity conversations the scariest thing about the idea that the 2020 bar exam might get hacked is everything is digitally replicable one for one at the speed of the internet so for this two-day, eight-hour-a-day test, if someone finds an exploit on day one, every hacker in the world knows about it and how to do it and has, had the, has the hardware and the access to execute it for eight hours the next day. Yeah. Like, and people are like, yeah, well, it's like it, it immediately like seems to break the human scale brain <laughs> when, yeah. you, when, you, when you take away scarcity. Yeah, you certainly uh, can't. <laughs> This stuff, this snowballs so quickly, right? You can't talk about open source software or you shouldn't without talking about the internet, right? Because now all of a sudden, to continue the car analogy, if I am tinkering with my car at home, say I've got a machine shop in my garage and I like mill myself a turbocharger and install it on my own car, I can tell people about that, right? I can go tell my friend, I can go help them in their shop, build one and cool, we've both hacked our car. But I can't put it on the internet and have every car in the world all of a sudden have a turbocharger, right? That's what happens with software it, it, and with the internet, right? I can, I can go into a piece of software and I can make a change and anyone who wants that change now can just come have it. And in the modern world, they can come have it instantaneously, right? Their system's set up to just per, to instantly make these upgrades as they're contributed to open source projects, which... Realizing we're way ahead of ourselves on yeah depth, right? we need to <laughs> no, but I mean that. But it gets <laughs> bring to the it next, back in a little bit. And the explain. next point that I wanted to make was like, okay, so so we're starting from the, the the fact of code exists and software is weird, blah blah blah, right? Uh, the next thing, and this is the part that blows my mind when I talk to like professionals about it. We have to talk about the extent to which, without open source thinking literally none of the stuff that we are that we just talked about all that internet shit your email text messages uh, 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 uh this conversation we're having right now via video chat doesn't exist without open source projects and i don't think people understand that right like i think a lot of people's conception of the internet is like steve jobs invented it in 1984 and 
they're geniuses and that's why Apple should have so much money. And that's not really the evolution of this stuff. Like if you want to get real deep on it, we have episodes about routing protocols and about how the internet works. But like ultimately what we're talking about is, you know, like the movement that is the meme, the notion of open software, that idea where somebody just went, well, let's just give this one away. What if we all agree to not make money off of this? You know, and what we're going to do is because this is only protected by license, we're going to come up with a license where no one's allowed to use this who doesn't also agree to allow the next person to use it for free too. It's a funny impulse, right? And I think at the very least, it proves that uh, if you reduce the cost to someone to free, we as humans uh, are in some capacity altruistic, <laughs> right? It's kind of a proof there. Uh, some people still aren't. Some people still would never want to give away something they worked hard on and totally makes sense, right? Because that is the opposite of like how evolution works, right? If you put energy into something, you need to get it back or else your lineage is going to die off. So uh, it's weird and it kind of exists my head's deep in politics right now, obviously, as I suspect a lot of people are, but it kind of exists in that same philosophical split of like, do we, do we keep things and capitalize on them entirely to like maintain control over things in the case of like windows, and to extract all the possible value right. or, for ourselves, or, or right. is there like a greater good that can be achieved with long-term progress by sharing things out? And honestly, it doesn't, you can argue both, right? Like they're it's really interesting when you start to look at open source software versus like closed source software that's owned by companies. Right. Both are hugely successful. And you see these, this like up and down battle over the last 50 years as, as businesses take these different angles. So it's uh it's really interesting to kind of see those different philosophies play out uh, in the space of our world. And so, yeah. And so ultimately it's, it's, it, you know, it becomes a public versus private question, you know, so it's not a new challenge, right? You can literally go read the Federalist Papers if you want to start to break down the idea of what is the public good and how should we leverage it in systems of banking and et cetera, right? Um, and so it, it seems to me that it's just sort of like an ebb and flow conversation. And, and in the space of collaboration, there are times for the open piece and there are times for the closed piece and they just sort of flow in and out, right? And I think we're living through a change in that mindset right now, which is why it comes up in politics a lot. But ultimately, that change is brought on by the technology we're talking about, right? So the places I like to take it back to with open source is like, never mind sort of the popular examples we'll get to in a second that I think, you know, uh, uh, so when we'll start saying names that people might recognize <laughs> in terms of brands and things like that, Um you know, it starts at the idea of what gave us the internet, which is protocols, right? So email works because everyone that had servers at the time that the internet was being invented, and that was still enough people that you could go like, yo, all of you, because it's just like a bunch of universities, academics at universities. Somebody said, hey, if we use this codified instruction set to send messages back and forth, and by codified, I mean, it's in a code file, so it can't work another way, not like put in laws, which is codified. So like, then we can send email back and forth. And all people have been allowed to monetize ever since then is like, hey, here's a novel interface for email. But the reason email works, like no one, that's not true. A lot of people listening to this have probably heard of SMTP, but the people I want to talk to have never heard of SMTP, right? It's just the underlying software that makes email work. And email works as widely as it does because that shit's free. Yeah, another interesting piece with the with the concept of open source that you see that I think is really uh, kind of counterintuitive, um, but also like again a recognition of these competing philosophies both having value. Uh, much some open source licenses a lot of open source software is allowed to be shared freely, but also you're allowed to go like use it to build a product and build a business around, which is like the ultimate perfect combination, right? It's like, Hey, I've, I've made this thing. It, for whatever reason, I got the value out of it that I needed. I don't need any more value. Let me pass it along. 
and then yeah, hey, monetize not only, it if you want. Yeah, if you got not a better only can idea you than me, it, like monetize yeah, it. Totally. Which it's really easy to get caught up in that philosophy and be like, well, that's obviously the way forward, right? Like if I enable you, then you enable other people and like look at all the abundance that'll come from that geometric expansion, which uh kind of is that is that philosophy on that side, right? Yeah, and 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 you know, I'm I'm an Apple shareholder for a reason. Like there is an argument for, hey, take all that stuff, make it actually usable. <laughs> make it put it in a shiny box, which just costs money, and then sell it to people. <laughs> um, you know, that 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 gets to exist. They're not like they're not it's not a binary which is a term I chose carefully. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a binary, you know, sort of operations system, right? You're touching on another really critical piece of this, which is like functionality. And this is part of the big argument a lot of the time. Like Apple argues that they should have, they've always had this, this uh, I don't know if it's like rules or terms of service or what, but they very, very strictly control how their software works and how software that you build that runs on their machines work, right? Apple, anyone who builds software apps for the Apple store versus apps for like the Google, uh, Google store or, uh, Android store, uh, very different process, right? Very strict in how you build Apple. And so Apple software, and then Apple from a hardware perspective does the same thing, right? You can't just go buy a bunch of parts to like build an Apple computer in the same way that you can with a PC. So, the operating system needs very specific stuff. And so what you get is like a very pristinely clean uh, physical hardware system and software that runs on it, right? Like it just, it's, I know, I know it's a flame war between Apple and, and Windows, but it's just, it's silly to have it. Apple it's stuff a, runs yeah. better. You might it's not like it as much, flame different, but. It's um, a bullshit flame war because the people having it understand why Apple stuff is better. They just can't afford it. It's not and fair to makes say them better pissy, either right? necessarily, like, right? Because they're the benefit is that you can do whatever the hell you want with those other systems, right? I can build anything and throw yeah, it on right. to an Android phone, whereas there are all kinds of limitations on Apple phones, which actually are really bad. They hold back innovation. Um, yeah, like for, for sure. I don't. I mean, better in the just sort of like yeah, totally. Fifty million people can't be wrong. Way it's like, look, the, the, uh, Apple is worth what it's worth because that way of doing it works, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, at the same time, none of the stuff I spend all day doing works if, like, I spend all day working with people on running Linux on their laptops. <laughs> so, like, and then, <laughs> but that also means I frequently have to troubleshoot shit for them because the software doesn't work perfectly. <laughs> I can't screen share. <laughs> well, are you running Linux? Yeah. <sighs> Okay, there's the 10 <laughs> things I need you to do right now, which includes dropping code into the core Linux kernel. Like, Wait, do you <laughs> run a Linux machine? No. You just use... You're right. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. I got nothing to prove. <laughs> it's, a, it's a struggle. If your primary desktop is like total open source everything. No, totally. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> But so, I mean, and this is kind of the relevant transition without, I, I got, if you want me to kill 10 minutes on Riot versus Apple in the context of app stores, I'm, I'm, I'm raging on that, <laughs> that bullshit, bad faith representation no, we, from we Riot it. of what the fuck happened, but I don't, anyway. Um, Wait, what's Riot? Oh, is that the, the gaming? Fortnite, yeah. Like they want to make more money. So they're pulling their shit out of Apple's app store and they're the, Fort, the company that makes Fortnite. Is Again, throwing their weight around to try to change app store dynamics, which is how the world works, right? You just um, throw your weight around. <laughs> yeah, they just they have they have referred to a bunch of things as retaliatory in press releases. Mm. That really it, that that tack strikes me as particularly bad faith. They broke a rule, and then Apple automatically did the thing that the store does when you break that rule, yeah. which is exactly the mechanism that has protected us for a really long time from things like money scams this is why we need and, all human emotion and, removed from every decision that's made and then they say it's a retaliation <laughs> well yeah like it's a retaliation the way like the city is not retaliating against you and they give you a parking ticket you broke the fucking <laughs> rule <laughs> they're sites giving you a citation for breaking the rule they're not retaliating against you with an oppressive what representation of the fact that you broke a rule <laughs> it was on the fucking sign right there 
You don't have a right to not obey that rule because your car is nice. God, Los Angeles has ruined my brain. Oh, Los Angeles. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so that's Riot. That's Riot and Apple. That said, I think it's time for Apple to probably rethink its app store dynamics around some of these things. Like payments are getting weird again, and we got to look at that. Um, but like, you know, Apple literally employs people to make sure that your things aren't a scam. That's, you know, your apps in the store aren't going to steal uh, $10,000 from you and then run away with it, which happens Good. constantly with and, apps on Android. And uh, that touches another interesting place with software, right? If you, uh, if the software is not protected and taken care of, you can easily get screwed by it, right? It can take over your computer. It can delete your hard drive. It can turn your computer into... Uh, part of a botnet, which then is going out and breaking all kinds of laws around the world, doing illegal things, and you don't even know what's happening. Yeah, which like kind of kicks back to the security thing, which is like, you know, bad code can be really powerful, and that bad code can be open. <laughs> so like, all that is open is not virtuous necessarily, right? Um, and, I, I, you know, like everything we said to this point, I think, sort of gets this thing. It's like, okay, so you can tell just by the way that we talk, and I hope that we have otherwise introduced it sufficiently. Like the idea that there's there's a cultural split ultimately between the idea of like this stuff sh is the stuff that should be open, this stuff's the stuff that's not. Everyone is in an ecosystem where we have to acknowledge that open stuff is helpful because otherwise we don't have email, you don't have text message, like communication protocols. We're generally pretty good at being like, okay, you can't lock that one down. I don't. We I need don't that think to there's. Work. I don't think there's anything. I mean, there, there's no piece of software that the average person is familiar with that's not uh, absolutely crippled if all the open source stuff was pulled out, right? I don't think no, you're run, the internet doesn't work, your computer at home wouldn't work, and Google everything would break instantly. Every, the entire yeah. world would stop working if we the pulled out. The encryption protocols that run the internet work because they're maintained by a nonprofit who's not allowed to make money mm -hmm. off of that thing yep. like literally go google heartbeat heart bleed bug yeah this is not learn a... about the 36 hours banks <laughs> spent thinking they were just completely fucked <laughs> there's no there's no hyperbole in these comments i i know i mean i'm guessing a little bit that everything but i'm it it's i'm trying to speak to the how much complexity there is in the layering of software in the world right to make your computer work to let you video chat to let you send a text message they're just hundreds and hundreds of layers of of things interrupting, interrupt, interruptible, <laughs> interacting with each other, pieces of yeah. software working with each other and relying on each other and doing these little micro things. And I think a lot of people probably picture an application as like, it's just abstract, right? Most people aren't thinking about software uh, too frequently and how it works and haven't really worked in it much. So you maybe think of an application as like a book, right? Here's a complete thing that I put together, but really it breaks down more as you break it down into the into the chapters and the pages and the index and the sentences and the grammar, all of those could be different software projects that layer in to make make the program work. So each chapter in your book or each sentence in your book could be a different piece of software. And a bunch of those are almost always open source. They're things that you can just go look them up. Anyone can use them. They're freely available um, because part of what's neat again with software where you where you really quickly hit all these interesting philosophical places is there kind of are you are able to do things at least at a very small scale when you're looking at a very tiny specific well-defined problem in computer science you kind of can do them in the best way and everyone can say okay that's the optimal program let's use that one now um it usually breaks down at a lower level than just the software um yeah. but i would say it allows for a system where the optimal solution emerges that's certainly true too. That's what which is a really crazy way to say it, right? I mean, you can yeah. you can have agreement that this is the right way to solve it, or you can have this way that everybody seems to use and it hasn't broken. And okay, we're all good with it. Well, that's usually actually where it ends up, which is funny to notice, is that it ends up. You recognize that there is the there is the ability to optimize and come up with the best way to do something. But what you realize is that in the organic world, what really ends up winning is popularity. Again, even in software, this thing was just adopted. And I don't mean popularity in the sense that like, Ooh, everyone loves this one the most. He's the coolest. Let's elect him uh, prom king and queen. 
but it just is the one that got used the most incidentally and now yeah. you have to keep using it because everything runs on it and so there's there's you know what's interesting with that that gets us into the sort of emergence of like the last thing we got to talk about is git and version control and then after we've explained that i think we can really jump off the cliff of like why this <laughs> creates weird tribes of open source developers who all believe different memes and believe in different cryptocurrencies but like fundamentally it's this layered system and all of those systems are complex and all of those systems talk to one another and it's all code. So it's all really rigid. If you're off by a comma, the shit just doesn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the nature of all of the interconnected things. Right. And some are open, some are closed. And then you have this emergent situation that we've, that we sort of, I think have introduced on the open side on the closed side, there's a limited team maintaining that software, right? Apple's going to push updates to fix things. Everybody's used to this cycle now in the modern world, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get software updates, they're for security, they're for usability, they're for prettier buttons, whatever, the, you know, whatever, right? They have a limited team there. I don't know, a thousand people in Cupertino that is their dev squad working on X, Y, and Z thing, right? Uh, an open source project with 500,000 contributors has 500,000 programmers always watching that code base and going, ooh, I don't like that bug. I'm going to squash it. Oh, that's dangerous. We should all try to fix that right now, full time until it's fixed. Mm -hmm. And then eight hours later, the bug is squashed and out of the software. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the concept for um, sure. I mean, it, it probably if you look at numbers, it kind of yeah, scales no, similarly, I mean, right. which it's again is an interesting place where it, right. where like these philosophies uh parallel each other right um god software is such an interesting place to look <laughs> right at okay philosophy. so let's back up though because all I, I you know introducing all that stuff the last thing to understand is then git was invented yeah uh version can so so you can imagine how this would be a clusterfuck of human coordination like trying to take on like and this is why it ebbs and flows it was hard to develop software because you have to keep this code base in sync like and so as your team gets bigger that becomes harder to do because of all of that layers of right. all of those layers of complexity and eventually you get to a point where it's just like yeah, it's not worth having a dev team of x size cuz we do more harm than good when we go off and work on different like components of this layered up system uh yeah imagine if if every time imagine uh I want to try to give an example of this even and this is not God damn it, Dave missed a comma again. I spent all day <laughs> version trying to figure out why this wouldn't even load. Version like, control I, you know? <laughs> is not uh is not distinct, distinctly needed just for open source. It's needed for any sort of software where there's collaboration. Cause imagine if when you wrote a book, if like at the end when you're done writing, like done writing for the day, if you missed that comma somewhere in the book the book is unreadable, right? The whole book can't be read. <laughs> yeah. It can't sit on your shelf. The shelf catches on fire. You can't um, even look at it to find right, out what, even, which comma you, you fucked it. up. The book disappears <laughs> from reality until someone like goes to the reality and fixes the comma. <laughs> now imagine you've got a hundred people writing the book together, right? And some people are working on the same sentence at the same time. And so I might edit the sentence different than you did. And whether or not the sentence, let's say we both made the sentence work right. So the book renders in the world later and people can read it. It's still, we both changed the sentence differently. So how do we like put the book back together? And so that is a really challenging prob problem. And I think people run into this a lot now, actually, because most software is collaborative. Most softwares run online in, in the cloud and throwing quotes up. But um, so you you see that on like, google spreadsheets if you're both yeah. in there you can see where the other person is you can see what they're doing which like sort of prevents you from editing stuff at the same time but right that's even different because with software i'm editing a different piece of like i'm cloning the car messing with the engine and then we're trying to like push those two clones of the car back into one car again so there's this wild complexity in how that's managed and uh get like you mentioned is, is like the predominant uh, version control now and GitHub, which a lot of people which is really heard. just like Git. Git is a software codified methodology for maintaining these files. Mm -hmm. That's it, right? And so you go boop, boop, and you got Git running on your document. 
Yep. And even and even with Git, which is again like the most developed, and coincidentally, I think Git was developed by Linus Torvalds, who also invented Linux. So he's like really spiraling into the, the realm of fantasy Linux. superhero. It's a necessary tool to right. create the big open the most so, successful. Even even with oh, okay. that, like the best thing the world has been able to invent for collaborative software development, it's still kind of a nightmare a lot of the time to like keep your software working. It's just frustrating. And like, you're like, oh man, we got to, you got to sit down with the other person and work through all this stuff or the whole team and like edit things and fight over like, well, should we do it this way? Should we do it that way? So there, it's not like you push a button and all of your software works again i know that's kind of the concept everyone wants it to be yeah but it's but you part of it is it is there's a there's part of being a software developer that i think is hard to appreciate if you're coming from other sectors there's a time in almost every one of my days where i go okay i'm gonna press this button and after i do my company's website might crash (laughs) and then my boss is going to call me and go, what the fuck happened to the website? We're not selling (laughs) things anymore. Right. Right. And so we have put in place rollback things where you can, I've literally had days where that heart sinking feeling where you just, you realize you just pushed something bad up to the live thing. And then you go like, I have crashed WordPresses, live WordPress builds for e-commerce stores with significant amounts of traffic. (laughs) Right. And I knew how to have that only be down for an hour with backup protocols, but like, it's a real thing you deal with. If you're a developer in this space, just in a professional context, like Apple has, Apple uses this shit too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so so we, we hit on another interesting piece of software or an interesting aspect of software. And this is not always true, right? Because software runs everything, right? Your car runs on software, planes run on software, spaceships, the electrical grid, everything. But like in the, in the day to day that I think most people think of software now, like apps on your phone, they're just not very important. If your app on your, if some silly app on your phone that lets you play Candy Crush or like send a text message doesn't work for the day, really doesn't matter. Um, and so you're able to iterate kind of in the sense of like, there's so many bacteria out in the world that it doesn't matter as they like die really quickly and iterate and, and evolve and genetic difference happens. That's a weird analogy to pull out. It's it's high volume. Like that's <laughs> but what anyway. all we have left is biology. You, when we start to talk about internet numbers, yeah. there are trillions of apps. You can't you can't do that with a car. If I if you open sourced my my brake system, and then all of a sudden anyone could be editing it, and you could push the brake updates to everyone else's cars, and then your brakes error, don't work. Also, right, yeah. all the cars blow up. So right. <laughs> um, there is an interesting there's. And again, software runs all kinds of important stuff that's outside of the the world of like willy nilly, silly Silicon Valley crap, yeah. <laughs> like dating apps and text messaging apps and slight iterations on email. But the uh, that's an important component of it, right? Is you to be able to iterate quickly on this stuff, you have to set up a a means by which there cannot there can be critical failure. Uh, is kind of removed from the situation. And so and so here's my like sort of media theorist take on the fundamental thing that Git achieved uh, and that we need to roll out in some capacity to every other version of life uh, where we, you know, in work and whatever. Um, and you like you already said, you already cited the places where it's happening, right? Like versions of this way of thinking of a thing are just, it's infectious. And so... And, and it, it also gets us to things like blockchain, uh, which is the way Git, Git tracks literally every single change that happens in the underlying code that is your document. You can use it on a Word doc. You can use it on simpler files. You can use it on wildly complex files. And it just keeps a record of every change that was ever made. And crucially, at least theoretically, a canonical record. Mm-hmm. So the change and what time literally of day, but also in what sequence with the other changes, every change was made. And when you think of that, it feels like, uh, this kind of gets back to our, our, our like Wolfram episode. Git stopped saying, okay, I have a document. You made some changes, save. Now that's a new document. (laughs) Git said, I'm just going to save the extra data. I'm only going to save what changed and a record of how and when that change was made. And then the file only grows by a tiny bit relative to the size of the other file. 
And so you can have this piggyback on your thing that's just always going, and then this change happened, and then this person did this thing, and then this person did this thing. Right. And at any time, you can go back and go, okay, that change, and then it crashed. Okay, I'm take out just that change, and everything else should still work. It works. Okay, put it back up. <laughs> like, and I mean, again... Uh, that's another place where you start to touch on kind of underlying philosophies of the world, right? The the universe, as best as we can tell, is keeping track of all the changes, right? When a change is made, it's 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 there. A law of <laughs> of thermodynamics, right? If, yeah. if you make a change here, it changes something else, and so that the change that you made here is captured in the change in the other thing, and so that's kind of what you do here because anyone who, especially if you work in like the modern data world as we're seeing the explosion and how important information is uh you just you, you your urge is to capture everything because even if you don't know how it's useful now you know it's going to be useful in a year or a month or a day because the ability to have that information and do things with it is just expanding and so it's it's interesting that it's evolved to capture those changes right it, it would seem trivial with writing a novel, right, to capture every single time you subtly edited, like the the uh, language of of each sentence, right? Oh, I moved, I I changed this word to give a subtly different meaning or to describe something in a way that's, that's slightly different. Certainly useful some for the writer as the book's coming together, but ultimately you don't need every single change to be tracked. It's just not relevant. But with software, it really can be right? You have to go back and see how things happen. And you want to be able to roll back and you want to be able to see why, why were these explicit decisions made, which maybe begs the question, is that important for books? Should books be open source and forever changing? Like that's an interesting concept. Well, I think the last piece <laughs> to hit off. is one more core thing that's only doable because of software, which is this is kept in a, in a, in what's called an append only sort of, I'm just going to call it methodology, right? Because the thing is, you can make the code work. The idea is the rule of your database is you can't delete an old entry. You can just invalidate it by reference. And so when you have an append-only methodology for record keeping, you, like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's more like keeping a, like your checkbook or something, right? Um, if you send out a check, you have to account for that, like, I don't, I don't want to te teach people how to balance their checkbooks. <laughs> but the point is, like, you can't just go back and delete an old entry. Instead, you have to put up a new change that says, now ignore this. Oh, I, I screw up constantly, and I have to roll back and make a change. And the funny thing is, I'm just constantly aware that my record of, like, and then he put this up and fucked this up and fucked that up, and then there was another one, like, is still there, which is kind of right. funny. Yep. But it's there because I know that the underlying infrastructure isn't possible of letting me go back and erase it because that's how the record is kept so that we can achieve the thing that we achieve. And the idea of saying, like, if you try to imagine how to do that, like with typewriters in a law office, it's like, OK, that I mean, you could maybe almost do it there because of how typewriters work. But if you imagine doing that with word processors in an office, it's kind of like, OK, I deleted this line. I, I fixed it. Now the document's updated. Like, why is that a system that doesn't work? Right. So, so when you apply it to old models, it, it's weird to think of this idea of like, well, we don't have this. Again, it's a scarcity thing, right? We try to clear out space to put the new stuff in just as, as humans <laughs> in our brains. But software allows it to just say, no, the rule inside of Git is if you're going to run Git, the rule is here's how this append only structure works. Right. And so it really does make every single little change trackable. You really can do the thing that you're talking about because of that fundamental thing at the core of how this like methodology works. Right. Um, you stack all of that up. You, you can work on these massively complex projects together with the right coordination, which a lot of times people, will at this point have heard of GitHub, if only because Microsoft bought them for a shit ton of money. Uh, GitHub is essentially just a social platform on top of Git. So a way of talking about all the work that you did that was tracked by these things and, and maintained interoperability because of the work that you did and created a social layer, essentially, of people that are like, yo, let's all work on this project together. Mm -hmm. With Linux, that was, you know, Git was 
developed because they were tired of doing that via email. And then GitHub popped up because people were tired of however they were coordinating this thing whilst not breaking the software amongst a bunch of people that just cared to work on the project. Like just open source gets social really quickly. And so there's this weird social aspect of what we end up talking about with communities and like that piece of it. Um, but I think that's everything sort of technical, right? I mean, fundamentally the place we're at now is we can make software, we can collaborate on it without breaking the software. And, and, and you start looking at other places to apply it. Like it just, you just get to weird things. I find myself explaining to lawyers all the time, which is like this thing, this thing we just templated, no one should ever have to do that again. <laughs> There's yeah, that no is fucking a, reason. That is a funny concept because you're go, right. We've reached, no. <laughs> we've reached a point where, uh, for the most part, almost Every, it feels like almost everything has a, an open source counterpart, right? Like think of a popular piece of software uh, and there's an open source version, right? Like Photoshop, yep, open source version. Microsoft Office, all of them have open source versions. Not only do you have like the free versions that like Google makes available to you, but you can just go get multiple different versions that have large communities that like rebuilt Microsoft Word. Uh, it's a little different. It does things differently. Sometimes it doesn't interrupt. <laughs> I'm trying to use interoperability again. Sometimes it doesn't work with the other other tools. Um, it works fine within its own environment. And so as a developer, like as you're building things, this is funny, I'm making a really interesting connection to my previous engineering work before software. But as you're building software, you, you you're using other software to build your software, right? You're building on top of it. And so whenever you need a piece of software to do anything you go search for it first like did someone build this already did someone solve this problem it, the concepts that you like learn academically and i'm not a computer scientist so i'll often misspeak about this stuff but i think the concepts um are uh, are called design patterns and that's kind of what you learn academically these like reduced concepts that you see over and over and over again in engineering and in software and it's like you'll see this you'll see this thing which is like They'll, they'll be very low level. Like, how do you solve this logic problem? You'll see them over and over and over again in your software and they'll manifest in different ways. But when when you see this, be aware of it and know that the complexity of it has been reduced and solved in this way. And you should always kind of do it this way unless you have a really good reason not to. Um, kind of like how grammar works in in written written and spoken language. And so you learn that, but we've reached like a meta level where so much of the next layer of complexity, like how does this software work in this language, on this operating system, with this hardware, in this use case, you just go get it. Someone's built it and a hundred people have helped maintain it. And so we're we're in an interesting place where so much stuff can be pieced together and software is too complicated still to for that to just be like plug and play. Anyone just like touch things together and have them work. But, and uh, you know, it it touches on, that realization that I called out there a second ago that was so interesting compared to my old job where I worked in physical manufacturing, I was a manufacturing engineer. I constantly was frustrated by having to reinvent things that I knew had been solved hundreds or thousands of times all around the world, right? In a manufacturing plant where I was building automation, I was building robotics and automating manufacturing processes. I constantly had to solve something. I was like, this is so simple and silly, but it's not like a thing I can go buy. It's like ever so complex that whoever has solved this a thousand times before in a thousand different manufacturing plants, they didn't have like Should a means to share it. it. I shouldn't have to do this again. And yeah, you that just I, pitched your first startup. Exactly. That's what drove <laughs> that's what drove me to my first startup. And and I didn't realize what it was at the time. I wasn't actually trying to solve that problem. Um I was solving something different related, but and so the concept of open source being released into the world more broadly than software is really challenging because it seems to, it works best and maybe arguably only works when things are digitized, which is not true of like physical things like car parts. Um, although the designs are all digitized now, but it just, it enables such an incredible layering of like success and invention and creativity. And it also makes it so apparent how important other people's contributions to things are, right? It makes it, there is 
there's nothing that any modern programmer does for the most part that would be even even like imaginable without the incredible underpinnings of everything that that allow it to happen like modern technology especially in software and hardware and computers is so complicated that no one really knows how it all works anymore and and i don't mean at like a high level i can tell you how a computer works but i could not even come freaking close to being functional with like 99.99% of what's out there even in a lifetime That's fine. it's too complicated now right and it you doesn't don't, matter. You well, don't speak exactly certain languages, so you, you can get to. an interpreter. <laughs> we talk about this sometimes. I wonder. I wonder how this felt, even even just a few hundred years ago, when you have like the concept of of like uh, jack of all trades, or what's the fancier word for that type of person? Generalist. Generalist. Yeah, where you like. <laughs> I feel like you. You myself. almost kind of could know everything in a lifetime a few hundred years ago. If you were extraordinarily well read, you could be up to date on like everything that's really known in modern science and modern medicine and chemistry. There just wasn't as much happening. And I, I know there's subtlety in like the human experience that can't be known and, and emotion and, and how you perceive the world. But in terms of kind of like raw scientific knowledge, you could know such a larger percentage of it uh, in times of past, right? And now it's absolutely impossible right even pick the pick the most specific niche and you can't know it all anymore um so we've reached a point where we have to open source stuff we have to open source information and we have to exist in a world where you can trust what's been open sourced because if you can't then you can't make progress anymore we can't go forward if you can't trust the layer that's beneath you even if you hear that and and like have a violent reaction to it it doesn't matter it's happening Right, like this is also just a force that is not even guided. It's it's technology is a force unto itself that's doing what it wants yeah. with us, whether we like it or not. I mean, I, <laughs> like uh, it's a Wikipedia weird... exists, right? You like yeah. you might say, no, we need to keep that locked in an encyclopedia. Sorry, the Wikipedia box is unlocked and it runs, like <laughs> it slaps. Yeah, and and, uh, and people and so, are doing everything. There's so many projects to maintain that, right? There are people printing it out regularly and stashing it in vaults so we never lose it. There are people putting it on on media that will last for millions of years and hiding it and preserving it and constantly updating it as it's updated. Like this this stuff has meaning and and the, writing it on gold records and firing it billions <laughs> of miles from the earth. <laughs> we should definitely launch Wikipedia out on some satellites. For sure. <laughs> uh but yeah, like so there's there's two things to wrap up. If you're also one of those people that listens and hears about cryptocurrencies and DeFi and blockchain and that part of what we talk about, the application of this way of thinking about the world to finance is why that has captured some subset of every young person's mind that I have talked to. They understand what you can do with this mm-hmm. and they're taking down the banks. They're just tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> They're tired of being oppressed by our financial system. And so, hey, like, uh, what will happen? I don't know. But this tiny subset has the tool we just described, and they're using it for money. To not watch that, it's just ignorant. Like, yeah. I, don't know, me, I don't know how else to Let say me it. spin it the other way, too. <laughs> uh, we're just, we just see the opportunity, and we're tired of not executing on it. Right. The the right. systems that came before when they were new were fucking fantastic. And those people were just as thrilled as we are to innovate. But there's so many places we can innovate and innovation happens so much easier now when it's allowed to that it's even more frustrating when you see the opportunity and it's not being executed on. So comparatively now to 50 or 100 or a couple hundred years ago, when a lot of things that exist now that people are so fed up with were being established we can fix them at a faster rate. We can iterate and improve at a faster rate. We can do it more successfully. We can do it more collaboratively. We can do it more science and technology and statistically based. And so it's just like ever increasingly obvious to us that we're wasting time. We're wasting energy when you have to exist inside these systems that aren't operating at efficiencies that we know are just around the corner. We're pissed off. And especially when that expands out into 
beyond like simple things like I, I don't want to pay a fee when I overdraw my checking account. Fine. I get that you extract money there. That helped run the business, but that's fucking stupid. Don't do that also, anymore. Also, once every need three years, the fucking bank loses a lawsuit about fraudulently charging those, and they have to return a bunch of money to us. Right. So let's let's just... Why the fuck do you even trust that system? <laughs> right. Let's just fix it. Let's fix <laughs> anyway, it. And so... we're, all, we're, we're out yeah, of control. Right. Anyway, so that's financial, right? But the, the other piece, and, and this is backing up to the idea of the generalist, right? Which is, you know, I, I think... Like you were saying, jack of all trades, right? You could know how to do a bunch of things around a town at some point. My life as a producer, then as a project manager, and everything I've ever done has been like, like people say, what does a producer do on a movie? Uh, a producer knows who to talk to and in what order. And that's it. And then they help you with creative things, right? Um, and there are people that are better at the creative piece and they make more fun things. But like fundamentally, you can maintain a job as a producer around Hollywood if you know who to talk to and in what order, <laughs> right? And and uh, if that's not like if that's not a perfect articulation for where this starts to consume knowledge work, is like just knowing that I should talk to a lawyer is the first step, right? When if you're talking about consuming the law, um. So already that's gated by the same mechanism. That's like, well, who do you know? Well, now I can Google. Yeah. So that's I mean, already started to fuck with your universe. That right? same that same workflow applies to absolutely everything, right? As soon as it's it's a project, it's what do I need to know and in what order? And it's whether right. whether you go talk to someone or you or now it used to be you had to go talk to somebody, right? Even even relatively recently, like as a kid, I would have to call the library to I would ask my mom about something that you would I trivially look up a thousand times a day now and we would yeah. call the library and someone would go look it up in a book which is and if you couldn't find it in that one you had to go to the other one downtown cuz it call was a bigger for, library cuz it was for a paper which yeah which is utter insanity <laughs> in today's world <laughs> but so anyway the thing is like uh it it the place where it hits cryptocurrency and all the weird stuff that's happening right now and the reason like it's it's all because of all the stuff we just ran through, which I hope that at least the way that we presented it, it's like, <laughs> okay, this is what's happening, and it's it's consuming parts of the world. It was an adventure. Like, uh, sure. uh, it's coming for knowledge work, like sometime soon, and it's not because AI is going to think like a lawyer. It's because people with legal training like me can identify everything a lawyer does that no one should ever have to do again. Yeah. Because software exists. Right. So, which has uh, other all kinds of other implications. If you're listening, right. and thinking that's scary and awful, totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> right? There's all kinds of scary things to figure out there too. Right? But uh, it's still going to take people to tend it. So it's like that. That's that's where we've ended up with Juris. Go learn how to tend it. That's that's your legal engineering certification. Right? Totally different subset. People will have jobs. We're probably fine. There'll probably be two for every lawyer that used to exist. You know, it's easy um, to be excited about this stuff when like, you're involved in making it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and probably uh, horrifying if you're not. So that's right. No, it's so I mean it's also it's also horrifying to be in it because does it work or not, right? And does it horrifying. work or not boils down to this funny thing with open source, which is you have to it, everything is a test of this is one that should be open and this is one that shouldn't. And you know different things win different pieces of the pie there, right? Like yeah. cryptocurrency is a place where the government might be like, too many people get hurt if we don't do this through the existing infrastructure. I'm sorry, y'all. Mm -hmm. And they'll shut it down. That happens all the time. Uh, to and, some degree. And sometimes that's not, right. And yeah, often it's it's not. Right. <laughs> often it's the wrong decision. Um, oh, I, used, I used a word that's not a real word. Wrong. Yep. There's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast it's anytime i use a word like wrong or better uh any sort of judgmental word i'm i'm making something up <laughs> it's not a real thing and yeah, it, it has I've no been, real bearing on the world it's just been me reading the, just my the own list papers <laughs> and it's interesting like they they're you know more tactful statesmen and better writers than i will ever be uh they still occasionally go to that place, right? Like you're having this, to. I think, very politically correct thing of like, let's try to pull out from an impassioned perspective. Yeah, Hamilton does an awful lot of, I understand this is an impassioned perspective, but if we <laughs> cannot 
keep in our minds the notion of a public good. We're fucked because Spain is going to come attack us and take us over. And he means it literally. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. it's so, you know, there's a time to express that a thing is wrong. I don't know what to, I don't know what to say otherwise. Right. Um, I don't think we do too. I, I, that's not true. We do a shitload of this on this podcast, but whatever. Oh yeah. There's a lot gotta, of personality that comes out. Quite anyway. Thanks for hanging out for episode 98, 98 on open source and something. And it was a good adventure. Why robots will replace you. I don't, I, I you no. know, I don't know. We're a long ways from robots replacing anything. We're not even going to bother. Why robots will replace your children? That one's so obvious. We're not even going to bother with robots anymore. We're just going to have glasses on soon, and then we'll be in that episode of Star Trek where Riker brings that weird game back from that like oh, yeah. fantasy That's party planet. That's fucking TikTok, man. Yep. Where totally. the little swallows, the little discs, yep, the and little like discs bad Pavre yep. 3D yep. animation. Who saves the day? Does Wesley save the day on that one? I think so. I don't, I don't even remember. Data, I think, got it's sucked into of, it, which yeah. was like kind of a cop-out, but... Maybe not. I thought Data was just busy with something else. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was away. He was on an away mission. <laughs> <laughs> Fixed. <laughs> Rhetorical device. Oh, boy. Anyway, I'm Adam. Um, Brian, keep an open mind, everybody. And share and share stuff, actually. Let me rewind. Just share some things. Go share something. Guys.